You are listening to From Where I Stand, a podcast produced by St. Charles Barmeo Church, Montgomery Township, New Jersey. For some, it's standing on a subway platform. For others, standing in line at the supermarket checkout. It can be on the best day you've ever had or the worst moment of your life. Or just standing somewhere, anywhere, on an ordinary Wednesday. It's the moment when you realize you are being called to some new choice, to use your life in some new way. Here at St. Charles, we know God calls us. And it's not just at a certain age or stage of life. Sometimes, in the most ordinary moment, we see life, our life, in a different way. And for most, it doesn't happen in church or a religious event. Here each week, we'll share the story of someone who has experienced that call. Their life might be just like yours, or nothing like it. But as you listen, you might find yourself realizing, I've been called too, from where I stand. Hello, I'm Teresa Ledwith Fay, and this is From Where I Stand. I'm very pleased to welcome our guest, Annie Trinkle. Annie is founder and executive director of Animal Alliance, an animal welfare organization. Annie's pull to serve the most disadvantaged began decades ago. Through a series of challenging life circumstances, her true calling revealed itself. Welcome, Annie. Hi, thank you. Nice to be here. Annie, let's begin with where you are now and a bit about the animal rescue you provide. Well, as you mentioned, I'm the founder and executive director of Animal Alliance. We are a freestanding animal shelter and a low-cost spay-neuter clinic located in Lambertville, New Jersey. As a parishioner, um, tell us in general a little bit about yourself and your engagement with St. Charles and your life as a Catholic. Well, my husband and I moved to Montgomery in 1995, and we've been at St. Charles since then. So it's a long time. Time flies. Uh, I went to Catholic high school, and then I went to Fairfield University, which is a Jesuit school where the huge emphasis on social justice and service, and that really resonated with me. So I kind of decided early on that I was going to, you know, do some weave service into my life, but I wasn't sure how it was really going to ultimately reveal itself. Well, that's a great transition because from where I stand, as you know, focuses on being called to serve. And you just mentioned some early engagement and pull you had towards serving people facing challenges. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, first, yeah, sure. Um, when I first got out of college, I moved to Hoboken and I volunteered with an organization that exists to this day. It's called In Jesus's Name Charity. And um, we, you, it was run by secular Franciscans. So people who've taken a voluntary vow of poverty and devoting themselves pro bono to the work at hand. And I was very intrigued by that. I just, at that time, you know, I had my MBA, I was working in New York and I was like, wow, you like, you're doing this work for no pay? Why? But I'll help. So I kind of um, worked among, there was a, a huge, huge pocket of poverty in Hoboken, a lot of very underserved people. And um, 
So in working with them, it was, it was very interesting and I enjoyed it, but it wasn't, I knew it wasn't going to be like my long-term thing. And then my husband and I took in an elderly neighbor, really like basically almost adopted him as like our child. And that was, you know, like an eight year project. He had no family and he had um, a very, very horrible life, but um, we took him in. So that was very involved. And then, um, you know, we ended up moving to Montgomery and I volunteered. I drove the Montgomery ambulance for a couple of years and I've done a lot of different things along the way. Wow. What a varied um, amount of service you've done. It's really impressive. Before we talk about your work saving animals, I'd love to talk a little bit and hear about your prior life, your career path. Well, thank you for asking about that. It seems like a very distant memory, but at one time, it's true. I did work in the corporate world. I worked in transfusion medicine in the diagnostics division of Abbott Laboratories, kind of like as a client relationship manager between blood banks and plasma fractionators uh, who would screen blood products for diseases. And it was very, very technical work and... uh, I managed like a multidisciplinary team protecting the safety of the nation's blood supply. So it was very, very interesting work and I enjoyed it immensely. Well, that sounds like an amazing uh, career path and such important work. What drove you to then go from corporate work to saving animals? And what was that transition like for you? Well, I always tell people if an angel had come down from heaven and said to me at that time that I was you know, wearing Armani suits and working in Manhattan, um, you know, you're going to run an animal shelter. I would have said, that's ridiculous. I don't even have a pet. I'm not even an animal lover. And I wasn't at that time. So actually I was a little afraid of dogs. I had grown up in New York and um, we lived in a small uh, attached home and and having a pet just wasn't an option for us. So in uh, about a year after we moved to Montgomery, my husband said, "We, we need to get you a dog so that you stop, you know, being afraid when we go over people's houses of their dogs. So he got a dog for me. And um, when I went to adopt a second dog, um, at that time, you know, the internet was just getting going. This was like in the late 90s. And I uh, found a pet on Petfinder and I went to a shelter and I saw all these beautiful animals there. And I said, wow, like I I had no idea that there were all these animals there. And, And the person at the shelter really, in essence, changed the trajectory of my life very substantially. And she said, well, you know, we really need more people like you to spread the message. And the business person in me, the whole like supply demand thing, I thought there's got to be people out there that want to get like gorgeous dogs like this. So that's kind of how the seed was planted. And then from there, I decided to Uh, I figured, well, I'm just going to go right where the need would be the greatest. And I started volunteering at the Trenton Animal Shelter. And I did that all through the the late 90s. And um, I would find myself sitting in business meetings thinking, boy, this is a waste of time. I could be really, you know, helping animals right now. So in 2001, I took what was supposed to be a one-year leave of absence. And um, that was kind of really the turning point because... I was about nine months into that year of leave of absence. I had said to my husband, you know what? We don't have kids. We were having some fertility issues. And I said, you know, I'm just going to take this year and just see where my love for animals goes because I really, I really, really love the work. And it was at the end of that year that I ended up having 
uh, and a ruptured ectopic pregnancy. And that was, um, a, you know, a huge turning point for me. That's quite a, a journey. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about the work and what you discovered when you were working initially at the animal shelter in Trenton. Well, I saw that there was just such tremendous poverty and that one of the offshoots of poverty is, you know, not just the the regular social problem problems that they, we think of, you know, domestic violence and um, child neglect and those kinds of things um, and hunger, but that uh, pets really played a significant part in, you know, people's decision not to leave abusive relationships or, you know, um, their, their inability to feed their pet um, led them to do different things. So it, it was a real eye opener for me. I just thought like, hey, I'm going to help get some animals adopted here. And, you know, it really turns out to be way much more than that. Now, your life took, you mentioned before that you were having some medical problems and um, you made this transition. Did you find that people had a reaction uh, to you making such a significant pivot? And did you ever doubt and question yourself? Well, just taking a step back to kind of how it, it happens, when I did have this medical emergency and I was rushed by ambulance to the hospital, I was very, very gravely ill. And in fact, you know, the doctors did tell my husband that I might not pull through, which I, I did overhear them saying that. And I was gravely ill and my blood pressure was quite low. But I remember feeling an extreme sense of calm, no worries, no panic, no fear. And what I was reflecting on while I was kind of praying and doing my deep breathing, just really trying to stay alive, frankly, as I was getting all these blood transfusions and being prepped for emergency surgery, uh, what kept going through my mind over and over was, thank God I took this year off. I got to pursue what I love. If my life ends today, which it might, I did what I loved. And I, all I could not speak. I was too weak. But all I kept thinking about over and over were the different vignettes through the years that things that had happened. So when I woke up in ICU the next day, my husband said my eyes flew open wide and I was like as clear as day. I said to him, I'm not going back to work, David. I am we, we need to leave. I want to move from Montgomery. I want to get a big piece of property and I want to build a kennel and I want to help animals. And he was like, you're talking crazy. Like you're on morphine. You're going back to work when your leave is over. Um, but, but I was absolutely, you know, convinced that this was how I was going to live the rest of my life. So to get back to your question, you know, a lot of people thought I was crazy. My husband included, they, you know, it just, it, it revealed itself uh, very dramatically to me. And I believe that that is a result of my prayer and reflection throughout um, many years. But in particular, that, that faithful night in the hospital when I prayed to God and said, if, if I'm going to live, obviously I'm not going to have children. So if you could kind of shove me in the right direction of what I'm going to do now, um, this, this plan that I had for myself of motherhood and family life is clearly, you know, not going to happen. So if you can help me figure out what I'm going to do, that would be great. So Annie, tell us about this wonderful organization you founded and have been running called Animal Alliance. When I first started Animal Alliance, I thought it would be like, you know, a hobby and it, we would just see where it went. But 
now we have grown so much over the last uh, 20 years that we are now one of New Jersey's larger private animal shelters. And we have a staff of almost 20. We have three vets that work there. We have a low cost spay neuter clinic called Plan Pet Hood that does outreach to the community that, uh, you know, so people who, who really want to keep their pets in their home but lack the funds to properly care for them can come to our clinic and get their pet spayed or neutered, vaccinated, and basic medical care at a very low price or no price, depending on, on what the situation is. So that's one of our big programs. And then, of course, we do have an animal shelter. And this year, we'll place about a 1,000 animals into homes. What does it mean to you to do this work every day? I can hear the enthusiasm in your voice. And what do you encounter as animals are given up for adoption or saved from abandonment? I think it's very humbling work, that's for sure. You know, there's a lot of heartbreak in it. There's a lot of compassion fatigue that people in this business and uh, can't cope with. And unfortunately, um, there is a lot of sadness. But the work is also very uplifting. There's, it's, um, even when the, a pet is surrendered or people are heartbroken to say goodbye to their pet because of economic reasons or, or it could be child's allergies or whatever, um, we always know that there's going to be a happy new, new start for that animal. So I feel like it's a pleasure and a privilege to be able to help animals on, uh, to help people rather on both sides of the uh, equation, both in, um, surrendering animals that are unwanted and also uh, uniting them with, with the perfect family. Do you sense a relationship between your work, saving animals, and how you connect with our community and what you even hope for our world? Well, I feel like, to say the least, abundantly blessed to do work I love. You know, not everyone can work pro bono. I'm, I'm very, very blessed that I have a generous, kind husband who has supported me every single step of the way. Um, he's still the same exact same great guy that I married and I'm completely different. You know, again, I went from the slick New Yorker with no pet to, um, now the crazy animal lady, but, uh, how I relate to the world with this is again, I cross paths with people that are amazing that I would never otherwise meet. And I get to help pets, amazing pets, find amazing homes and, uh, against all odds in a lot of cases. And I, I guess it's just become part of who I am. And that is how I feel connected into the greater good, if you will. And as we continue with this theme of connection, what is the connection you're finding between your faith and what you find yourself called to do and the work you're engaged in? And have you found a connection between your calling and your connection with God? Yes, most definitely. Again, I, I'm, I feel so very blessed and I feel in no insignificant way that, that God put me on this path for sure. And he backs me up every step of the way all the time. And uh, a lot of times in very, very direct ways, I feel that in my work. Well, before we end our conversation, I just want to give you the opportunity if there's anything more you'd like to share or want people to know about the experience you've had and what you're doing now, maybe what your hopes are for the future. Well, whenever people say like, wow, you know, that was the crazy life change. You know, how, how did that come to pass? How did you go from being someone that didn't have a pet to 
you know, running this big animal operation. And of course, along the way, you know, my husband and I have 12 dogs. So uh, it's a big, big jump. But I always say to people, you know, really, you have to trust the cues. You, you will be getting the messages. If you're really interested in pursuing your passion and trying to do good in this world, you have to reflect. And uh, I do a lot of meditation and you have to um, be willing to accept the cues that you receive, which a lot of times I think are, are direct messages from above. Well, it's really truly been an inspiring to talk with you today, Annie. I so appreciate you sharing your story with us. Thank you very much. I was happy to do it. Join us next time to hear more stories of how others have found their calling. Thank you for listening to From Where I Stand. And a quick addendum to our listeners. We will be taking a bit of a break, and our next podcast will air Monday, February 15th, with a special podcast for Valentine's Day. In the meantime, we invite you to listen to all 12 podcasts that our parish recorded this year as our parishioners share inspiring stories about the many ways life has called them to grow, to learn, and deepen one's relationship with God. Blessings for the Christmas season and New Year. The C3 Project, Creating a Culture of Calling, is a multi-denominational initiative sponsored by Vibrant Faith and funded by the Lilly Endowment. If you would like to learn more, go to www.barameo.org and click on the C3 Project tab.